0: students are feeling connected to their teachers, the teacher coach partnership, we're feeling connected. And then with that strong connection, then there's just room for conversation. So when conflict arises, like such as like behavior, we're, we're holding that kid as a student and a kid in our school. And so it just gives us a little bit more grace and understanding of how we approach that because that connection is there.
1: Hi, I'm Diane Sweeney and I'm the author of The Essential Guide for Student-Centered Coaching and our newest book, Moves for Launching a New Year of Student-Centered Coaching.
2: And I'm Brandon Lewis, an innovation and learning coach in Liberty, Missouri.
1: And this is Student-Centered Coaching, the podcast, where we sit down with coaches and teachers to explore how they are supporting student learning. Our hope is that through sharing these stories, we can all grow together.
2: Welcome back to Student Center Coaching the Podcast. For this episode, we wanted to do a follow up of a previous one we did in May. Um, If you guys remember, Diane and I talked a lot about moves for launching next year and um, just gave some ideas of ways over the summer we could either be thinking about how we could start the year, but also maybe even ways to connect with teachers at the end of the year and over summer to really get a great jump start um, on the year when we started this year in August and in September. So as a follow-up, we are fortunate enough to be able to have a coach who kind of took that challenge that we initiated and really be able to put it into practice. We are fortunate enough to be here today with Rachel Court. She is an elementary instructional coach in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and she's been able to partner a lot with Diane over um, the past few years, and we're just excited to have her join us today. So Rachel, thank you for being here with us.
0: Hi, Diane. Hi, Brandon. Thanks so much for having me here today.
1: Yeah, it's been so fun. I was dying to hear how this all went, Rachel, because we had a chance to explore this idea in our July retreat that we had in Sioux Falls with your full team. And oh man, that was such a great two days. And I kind of pitched the idea of what if we spent time at the very beginning of the year? Coaching into Classroom Community, which we wrote a little bit about in the launching book, um, Launching the New Year of Student-Centered Coaching. And I was hoping somebody would feel inclined or inspired, I should say, to actively coach around creating belonging in classrooms at the beginning of the school year. And a lot of this comes down to hearing over and over and over again from coaches that they're having challenges with student behavior that things haven't quite gotten back to normal or that that this is the classroom management piece is really taking a front seat in coaching so we thought as a group just to kind of bring the the listeners up to speed we really thought as a group about what would that look like to support classroom community so that kids feel like they know the rituals and routines, they feel like they are they have a strong relationship with their teacher, and hopefully so that classrooms feel calmer and more learning happens. And this obviously is, there's a sweet window at the very beginning of the year when this would be ideally executed. So anyway, it goes to say that Rachel, you jumped in, and I'm so excited to hear from a coach on the ground and I think everybody will be excited to hear from a coach on the ground who really went there and really tried some of these things so I'm curious if you could just share how did you approach this broadly you know how did you coach into classroom community in those first few weeks of school and with whom
0: and what did that look like and just kind of give us some background you know thinking back on that coach retreat that we experienced this past summer Yes, I think I felt challenged, but also I think that your words and guidance and coaching really just left an imprint on all of our hearts and minds in the room and thinking about that this uh, sense of belonging and classroom community piece has been a piece that maybe we have coached into slightly before, but we felt like freedom by like hearing you talk about it, that it does have a place in student-centered coaching and it is important, especially critical in the beginning part of that year. So at the end of our uh, retreat day, we kind of had some work time with our individual peoples and thinking about how what could this look like at the, our launch at the beginning of the school year. And I remember people thinking about kind of some other, other district initiatives that we had, like Kagan and engagement, but some other resources, such as uh, the relationship techniques from removing labels. Also thinking about our new higher academy that we start every year and complete throughout uh, the first year and second year of a teacher's career, and how could we embed and model and attribute these topics? So I think that was kind of like the initial brainstorming. So when it kind of came to the application piece, it was really at the start of our new higher academy where we bring in our first year teachers. And we really spent that eight hour day with them modeling different pieces of what could morning meeting look like? What could routines and procedures? We attributed to it and labeled it. But then we kind of shifted the conversation to like, what do you want that to look like and sound like and feel like in your classroom and taking that planning time to do it even before the school year even began. We used a lot of the questions on page 24, the language that creates a sense of belonging among students to really guide those conversations. And they were effective.
1: Wow. So just to paraphrase, you were you leaned into this with your new teacher academy, your new folks to the profession as the starting place in in the that's that's I hadn't even thought about it's almost like a combination of coaching and mentoring in this zone of of, of classroom community very cool
0: I think that was the starting point point. and then once the school year started thinking about that official launch with all of staff like it's valuable conversation for our veterans and seasons teachers too so what could that look like and we came through kind of a coaching opportunity sign
2: up. Uh, Rachel, you've spoken to like the 10,000 foot view of, of what it was like to kind of get it started. Um, can you kind of break that down now and kind of talk through some of your processes, um, what it actually was kind of in a day in, day out, as far as what it looked like in the classroom as you were partnering with a teacher um, and students? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. At the beginning of the year, when we had a full launch with the full staff, um, I was really thinking about these conversations would be so valuable for everyone and every partnership in the school. So I had set a challenge kind of for myself and my teacher partners, thinking about what would it look like if we did a coaching opportunity, which our definition of that would be, it's a one-time lesson, one-time planning session, one-time co-teaching or co-assessing, and then a reflection and a celebration. So like, even smaller than a coaching cycle or a mini coaching cycle, and thinking about how could we really drive this sense of belonging and community building within that as a goal. So, as the suggestion, some ideas were either a Kagan structure that we would try and new and add it into as like a team builder for the classroom or maybe into some academics, um, a relationship technique from the removing labels book or possibly just routines and procedures? How do we recraft and revision what maybe some of those could look like with your new batch of students? So teachers signed up. And then our hope was my personal goal was that I would co-teach with every teacher um, in the first quarter with revolving around this topic. So we got started. Um, I have a few just to share that I thought really were just powerful. The first one, the teacher had created Um, A classroom sociogram. So when we had met for our technique that which she wanted to read about and discuss some possibilities for, we had read the chapter on a classroom sociogram, which is a visual map of the network of relationships among students in a classroom. And then through that we had decided we were going to ask some kids some questions, put it on an index card, such as one question might be, who would be three students that you might uh, play without at recess. And then on the next index card, who would be three students that you think you would work well with during a math lesson? And then the last one was, who would be three students that you would like to engage with in a fun activity on the weekend? So that was kind of our, our co-planning was the reading about the sociogram. And then our co-assessing opportunity was doing that with the students. And then when we met for our kind of reflection, we looked at that data and analyzed it. And then we kind of thought about those bubble kids that Maybe didn't get mentioned as much. And then how can we boost that classroom community and not leaving it to chance that even those students that everybody had their name mentioned at some point, but more, some were more than others. So how do we boost that welcoming feeling that everybody is there, that social cohesion and that peer acceptance?
2: I feel like so often we're so quick to be like, we have to we have to gather data like as a building as a whole. To see if our kids feel like they belong. But I feel like you doing it on such a level, like describing like that process that you guys did, that not only are you, you're not just gonna get overarching data, like you're gonna see specifically from the evidence, like this student, like we need to help this student find opportunities to connect with others. Um yeah, I that's that's really that's really um that's really cool to hear that you guys did that. Like I'm I'm literally thinking about kids in my buildings that like, man, if they had that opportunity, like maybe they could be in a completely different place right now as we're in, you know, mid-October um the school year. Yeah, that's really cool.
1: And and the looking for patterns is is an interesting it's always what we want to do with student evidence. I'm curious what what happened next with that teacher? Cause I'm willing to bet that a lot wanted more than the the mini mini cycle that you're describing did that happen
0: yeah i think she walked away um, with great next steps we talked about what specific steps could she use to engage students who haven't felt that strong sense of belonging or how could we boost their voice more ultimately she kind of landed with that she wants those three students that we really focused our conversation on how could she make them an expert of something in the room that way students start to view them um possibly differently or more inclusive in the classroom and i would say within like two days we left it that she was going to just kind of observe the students a little bit more keep an intentional eye on them who are they interacting with at what settings are some potential opportunities perhaps like recess what if we taught them the game and then they got to go teach the rest of the classmates. Um, But then within two days, she already came back with a whole pool of ideas for these three students, just because we really put the spotlight on them and really being intentional about watching them and thinking about some possibilities for them. So amazing, such a great example.
1: Since I know Rachel, what a responsive coach you are, I'm willing to bet that this looked different from teacher to teacher. So would you share another example or two of how this work looked
0: for you in those first few weeks of the school year? Absolutely. Another coaching opportunity that comes to mind was a teacher had selected um, an activity that she wanted to use with learning names the right way. So in that first co-planning session, we kind of talked about what names do you feel comfortable pronouncing Which ones maybe do you hesitate on? How about your students in the room? How do they do pronouncing each other's names? Um, And thinking about that critical piece that our names mean to our identity and that emotional link that we get when we hear our name being talked about or someone refers to us by name in the right way. So then we, and this coaching opportunity, we met, we did a little bit of learning about the the names, and then we kind of designed an activity that we wanted to co-teach together. And during this time, it was during her morning meeting block. We designed a template where it was like their name kind of like in bubble letters, I would say, so that they could put other pieces of their identity in there, perhaps like a paw print for their dog, or maybe their flag of the country that their family came from. Um, And then we also put a few lines at the bottom for them to go home and investigate. Like, what is your name story? Like, could you share that with your class so we can get to know you on a deeper level? So then when they shared, it was absolutely amazing to see the different connections. I mean, even down to like, my parents like the letter I, so I was named that way, but down to some biblical names and then other kids connected that way, or they were named after grandparents. They loved that connection. So then it just became this really beautiful conversation for them to get to just share and connect in a meaningful way, especially in something in our school, we have very cultural names, we're a diverse school. And we also tied in a mini lesson about, it's okay to correct people when um, they say your name wrong, because your name is important and all staff and students want to say your name correctly.
1: That is so powerful. And what grade was this, if you don't mind me asking? That was a third grade classroom. Okay, okay. Oh man, the, the SEL side of that that's coming through is, th- there's almost like a permission to go into a space that we've been uncomfortable in the past. I know I have been, I often feel anxiety about, am I pronouncing a name right? I know I've I've probably stepped in the wrong lane with that. And so the the power of that for the kids, but for the teacher as well is pretty amazing.
2: What a great skill for third graders to even learn too. like, even if it's not even about their name, like they're learning the skill of having an assertive voice, but also like that doesn't mean that you have to be rude to somebody. Like, I think that's such a powerful skill for a kid at that age to learn that. I mean, I think a lot of adults still struggle with that skill. So there's so many things that they're going to be able to use that for moving forward too. not just even their name. That's really, that's really cool.
0: I haven't done her debrief yet. We're going to have her, her last part of that coaching opportunity to the reflection and celebration. But I'm curious to see, like, how did she feel like students were honored and valued by taking that time to do that activity? Yeah,
1: that's great. That's awesome. And then you said you had one more you were going to share. So many good ideas. I know people are probably taking notes as they're listening.
0: So this last one's a little bit of the engagement avenue we went down initiative of our district is that we've been incorporating some Kagan structures and learning more about those pieces. So she had signed up for a Kagan and then after almost like even while we were going through it, I realized not only is this a district initiative, but this contributes so much to our classroom community and sense of belonging too, because it creates that space for equity in the conversation. Um, and an open like ability to participate so same thing we had met for her co-planning session we had looked at the the text to make sure we understood what the structure was she kind of talked about some values that she had she wanted just to make sure that everyone could be a coach and feel successful as a coach because that she felt if she laid that groundwork now then how amazing that could transform their math lessons moving forward, especially when some of those math lessons get tricky. So that was kind of our co-planning. There's two of us. So then we talked about the mathlete and the coach. That way we could model that in front of students. We could pause and talk about those expectations for that and hopes and dreams. And then we co-taught that lesson together too.
1: So there's a coach role within Kagan. Students take a coaching role. Can you tell us more about that?
0: Yeah, this particular structure is called rally coaching. And it's where students are given um, the opportunity to give feedback to another student too. And you take turns. So you take the one worksheet, like even the nods, and you're either the math leader or the coach, and then you flip flop. And because these were second graders, we did give them some sentence prompts about what could coaching look like because this one. This one was pretty early in the year. So we wanted to still build that up and thinking about that value of that teacher that she wanted everyone to be successful about what tools could we give them. So that's what we came up with in our in our co-planning. That is so
1: great.
2: Rachel, I know you had even mentioned that for some of these coaching opportunities that you've been doing, you're kind of still in the midst and haven't fully reflected with some of the teachers on these. But could you speak, um, at least at this point, could you speak to the impact on teachers and students that some of these opportunities have fostered?
0: Wow, I think the impact happened on so many different levels. So if I think about first the students, because that's who we're there for, I think the students loved that it was an intentional design to build classroom community, and we didn't leave it to chance. That we're embedding some of these activities into time slots that we already had. It was probably a little easier at the beginning when we knew we had large chunks of open time, but the reality is that coaching um, a sense of belonging or a classroom community doesn't end in those first two weeks. And I feel like that was a message that Diane really spoke to us about this summer. So even when curriculum is in full force, how do we embed that in there? Especially when we have new students coming in throughout the year, or sometimes we just need some reconnecting activities and it can't always take away from our already packed schedule. So that was, I think, what students loved as the intentional level. On the teacher side, I think, um, again, Diane's questioning that she had talked about for belonging for students. I would love to hear teachers say that they felt like it felt good to attribute it back to it, that A lot of these veteran teachers, like they know it's best practices. They know it's so good for their students to do these things. But then to really like notice and name the impact of that specific strategy that they did or that lesson almost creates a space for it moving forward. Or I would hope they would say that. And then lastly, just even that coach to teacher relationship of the impact. Um, These quick opportunities, I, I hope it even strengthened our bond and our sense of belonging with each other too. We hadn't seen each other all summer or um, perhaps it's a new student. So we're trying to kind of find that dance again with a new batch of students. And I feel like these opportunities gave us a chance to do that. Now, when we jump into coaching cycles for quarter two, three and four, we're going to be ready and um, familiar with each other.
1: So it's funny. It's as if we're thinking about this as a permission to slow down and, and kind of dwell in this space. And you said something earlier that that kind of made me smile a little bit, but you said we were excited that it was okay to do this in student-centered coaching. And it's almost like permission from me to do this meant something, which makes me laugh. But um, then there's this this feeling of permission. It feels like from teachers. It's okay to work with my coach on this. This is this is um, worth our time. And I'm thinking about the first few weeks of school, elementary teachers have these amazing classrooms. They set up beautiful spaces, and it's almost honoring that teachers care a lot, not just about the setup of a classroom, but what happens inside that, you know? And so it's like, we're going into spaces that maybe, am I right to say, Rachel, like felt like that's not what coaches do. And now there's this opportunity, like, this is kind of cool. I hadn't thought to do this. I didn't know this was coach, you know, student-centered coaching. Can you
0: just say more about that feeling of permission? You know, it kind of makes me think a little bit about, our values too. I wonder if teachers felt like because their classroom community and relationship is such a high value to them, like I wonder if they were excited that the coach got to meet them on that value and we got to work on a value that they wholeheartedly believe in. So
1: instead of a coach saying, what's our success criteria right out of the gate, we're actually maybe meeting teachers at the beginning in those first, and By the way, like you said, this doesn't only happen at the beginning of the year, but your examples really were so keen on the beginning of the year. Meeting them where they are at that part of the year feels less like we're redirecting them and more like we're partners with them. I'm sure you already had awesome relationships with your teachers, but I think it only deepened those those relationships you had because you're, like you said, your value, their values are making sure their classrooms are amazing places and you're meeting them in that value, which is really interesting. You go to values when I asked you that question. That was,
0: that was cool. And what's so cool is so many, especially the three teachers I talked about today, it's already a gift that they have of creating the community. It was just being a thought partner on how do we take it to even the next level? Like how do we make sure no student is unseen in this classroom by the teacher or the students? Oh, that's amazing.
1: If you're curious about the questions Rachel was just referring to, they're um, on page 24 in our book, "Moves for Launching a New Year of Student-Centered Coaching," and they're really—it's just language that creates a sense of belonging among students. So, questions like, "When you envision your classroom community, what do you hope it will feel like for each of your students?" So, it sounds like those were a scaffold, maybe, or at least guided you a little bit in the direction you wanted to go. So I just wanted to clarify that for anybody who's curious about what you were referring to at that moment in the conversation.
0: Yeah, especially in our debriefs and our reflection and celebration, most of those questions kind of drove our conversations other than how did students respond? uh, What would you polish moving forward? But really to get to the heart of the conversation, we used a lot of those.
1: And we can put those in the notes on the podcast. So we'll we'll make sure those are included um, as we as we post this episode.
0: Diane, another comment you made makes me think about moving forward in our coaching cycles. Again, that like permission in that space. It makes me think about how can I continue these conversations, even when we do start talking about learning intentions and success criteria? Like, how can we? so to speak, still have like belonging checks as one of my, my coworkers calls it.
2: I, I feel like in a lot of, a lot of my conversations with teachers that I partner with, um, it's really important to me that whatever the topic is, we always start with what their beliefs are when it comes to that topic. So I feel like that could even be like an avenue to making sure that like this, like what you're talking about now, especially with the things that they value, like I see those as really synonymous, you know, like, I think that could be a really easy parallel into even if it's like you're starting to do, um, to form a partnership on something regarding math in fourth grade, like a lot of that can still go back to what you were talking about, especially at the start.
1: Yeah. Beliefs are such a great grounding tool. And I think also just building in a question into your coaching process that can continuously circles back. How's the community been feeling? in our classroom. Um, Are there any patterns we're noticing where maybe we need to reassert this conversation about students feeling a sense of belonging? Um, Let's imagine you have a new student that comes in, like you said. I think a belonging check is a great idea, but I think just throwing a few questions onto your standard practice about classroom community could be a part of every co-planning conversation. If you're thinking about, like, I was just in a classroom that was building thinking classrooms, it was a middle school, and and kids are working at the boards together in small groups, and that's kind of a, a process, a collaborative process they use in that pedagogy. Well, what's, how do we make sure our multilingual learners can be a part of that group work? What's, Because I've noticed recently they might be leaning, you know, out of the conversation and not included. So I think just building questions about this into your coaching practice is is a great strategy. It doesn't have to feel heavy or, or oppressive. It doesn't have to feel like, one thing I want to say is we don't necessarily, as the year gets going, want to be doing full coaching cycles on this topic. I think we want to be integrating the idea of how do we make sure our our kids feel a sense of belonging and community into the content because we are there to learn fractions or we're there to learn how to write a paragraph or and so it has to sit in the context of the learning as the year progresses and I know you guys know that but I do think I don't want listeners to get this idea that now we're doing full coaching cycles on on classroom community and I'm curious what you guys think of that because that would, that would definitely not be in the, in the wheelhouse of student centered coaching anymore. What do you guys think?
2: I think, um, as you're saying this, I keep going back to the earlier part where she said, I felt like I finally had permission. Right. And what I kept reflecting on kind of in real time about that was like, we, as coaches, especially when we have a model that we believe in wholeheartedly, and we think about all the, you know, the core practice there's seven core practices, student-centered coaching, and we, and we believe in those, I think we also in the same sense can become very legalistic in that to where it's like, no, if it even feels like it gets outside of that, like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? Almost like you're creating a jail for yourself. And I've done that so much. My team has done that so much. So setting the stage that way, then what you're talking about, moving into the rest of the year, yet you don't want to continue living in that space the whole time the timing of what she did not only was the right timing for that to happen when that was the sole focus of it two things from that yes she can then push those things into the other content areas that she is partnering with teachers on that's one thing but then also the relationships that she has established with those teachers and those students is going to perpetuate into more work moving forward because of their relationship and partnership too so i kind of i kept thinking about those two parts about it so yes you are right like It's not going to continue being just about that because together collectively, they have moved on past that because it's now present.
1: Mm -hmm. What do you think, Rachel, about how it integrates into your more standards-based coaching that, that you're probably
0: already involved in at this point in the year? Yeah. When you talked about... Just intentionally placing those questions, the immediate thought that came to my mind, um, especially because I have one coming up, is just those pre-coaching cycle meetings where you're kind of already diving into so many of those other questions about, you know, um, what what plans do I need to be aware of, what behaviors do I need to be aware of? Um, that it just kind of fits like fits right into there. That maybe I can think about how is your community feeling? Like it could be just purely conversational, and then perhaps we'll get kind of some sub goals almost that we want to make sure we embed into our, our co-teaching and co-planning. Like it seems yeah. like it, just a natural fit, like we're carrying on the conversation, but it's not going to be our focus now that we're, we're, we're into the, the heavy units.
1: Yeah. So it could be part of the partnership agreement conversation. And when you say sub goals, maybe it's one of the learning targets on the success criteria, you know, that could actually, keep you both accountable, you and the teacher or the team, like maybe you have a a student focus, like a, a learning target that's something like uh, I can, I'm trying to think of an example as I go here, I can be a really kind member of my classroom community, or I can include others in, in group work. Like it could be as simple as that. And then maybe that really helps you guys continue to circle back on it. I don't know if you have to do that, but it is an opportunity if, if this is an area of interest for teachers.
2: I do like that. Cause you think about as a learning intention, you know, whatever, whatever it is, they're overarching. The standard is they're, they're focusing on success criteria is what does it take to be successful in that? It doesn't say yeah. what's just, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's a great idea to include pieces of criteria that focuses on that. Because again, We want to, and like, as you were trying to think of some of that verbiage, like I kept thinking of, we want them to be an empathetic learner or an empathetic problem solver with the way that they're doing things. So like tying that piece into it through criteria. Yeah. It's, it's a constant reminder to the coach and the teacher that, yeah, this is something we need to continue to work in, but it's also, if you're co-creating that with them, think about the value of that conversation you're going to have just during that time.
0: Brandon, that's what came to my mind too, thinking about just that transparency of students too, like setting that intention in the beginning of the lesson, working on it, and then reflecting at it at the end, just like we did with our our content success criteria. It seems to have just a natural process that we're already doing and including the kids as a stakeholder because they are in this partnership. Yes, yeah. and we, always, we
1: want them to be self-assessing. And we've, all, I've always thought about having a. You could certainly have something on the success criteria that's like engagement focused. Like I can work independently through the writer's workshop or something like that. But we've, I've never thought about it until just now to have a much more community focused learning mm-hmm. target where you're the kids are not. That word empathy got me going on this. Where the kids aren't just thinking about what they do as individuals; they're thinking about how do they contribute to the overall health and wellness of the classroom. That is that is cool. I think, yeah. can you try that Rachel and let us know how it goes? <laughs> I
2: That's already so have cool a note on is. my, yeah. I have a note right here already written to like, I need to make sure I'm adding two things, like that question during that initial conversation to ask them about their community or their sense of belonging that it currently is. And then making sure that there is a piece of criteria that focuses on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's totally a possibility. And I think teachers would be excited about that that piece too.
1: Well, so Rachel, you've done this work with everyone from brand new to the profession, teachers, all the way to veteran teachers. You've had this opportunity to try some of these strategies out, embed some of these strategies. We're thinking about how to even deepen some of that. But if we could just take stock in the impact of this work now that it's october now that you've really invested and teachers have really invested in these conversations what does it feel like in the classrooms are kids engaging in the ways teachers hope what's 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 the bigger impact just on the
0: overall
1: functionality of these classrooms the overall environment of these classrooms
0: I feel like if I were to think about all these experiences, um, these shared experiences that we've had in our school, I wonder if I were to sum it into one word, it'd be just connected. The students are feeling connected to their teachers. The teacher coach partnership, we're feeling connected, and then with that strong connection, then there's just room for conversation. So when conflict arises, like such as like behavior, we're we're holding that kid as a student and a kid in our school, and so it just gives us a little bit more grace and understanding of how we approach that because that connection is there that's amazing to hear I just I
1: think every kid deserves that I and I think if 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 we were to think about our own children wouldn't we want them to feel a sense of connection in school and if if we don't take those steps shame on us you know shame on us I just that word connected means a lot to me right now
2: Rachel, we just wanna say thank you for giving us this time to um, share a lot of the work that you've been doing to start this year and um, just to hear of the positive impacts it's gonna have on um, each learning community inside um, all of those special classrooms in your building.
1: Yeah, Rachel, thank you to you. And if you would just thank the rest of your team for trusting this idea and trying it out and making it, a thousand times better than I even pictured. So I just knew your team was gonna jump at this when we talked about it this summer. And I'm grateful. I know you are one of many who could have spoken to this today. And so just to honor your team, your leadership, the whole thing is so darn good for kids and that's what matters most. So thank you.
0: Yes, thank you so much for that inspiration this summer for our team so we could mull over those ideas and create some new possibilities and then of course for our conversation today this was just amazing and i feel like i got to share some ideas but then also i'm walking away with a full page of notes and ideas too of what this could look like moving forward into the year
2: thank you take care
0: thanks
2: student-centered coaching the podcast is brought to you by diane sweeney consulting for more information visit dianesweeney.com Music is brought to you by Clemency. You can check them out at clemencyonline.com. There you can find more information on how to download their music. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast where podcasts are found and follow us on Twitter at SCCoachingPod.